Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Hi, everyone. This is Allison Kay, and welcome to this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. Now, you know one of my big things that I preach is that everybody needs to know a futurist. Well, here, we're not only talking to somebody that's a futurist, but we're talking to somebody who's making it happen today in the now. And I think disruption is his middle name. So I would love to... Um, share with you. There's a lot we're going to talk about related to machine learning, national, national language understanding, um, and just where technology is going in the future. So hang on tight and get ready to meet Francisco. Francisco, welcome to the program. Uh, hello, Alison. Uh, thanks uh, for having me. Uh, so my name is uh, Francisco uh, Weber, and uh, I'm here in uh, Vienna. I'm calling from Vienna, so where I live. Um, and I'm the founder of Cortical.io, um, a company also located in Vienna, uh, working in the domain of natural language understanding, uh, sort of a, an AI discipline, if you want. Um, yeah, I've uh, uh, maybe just uh, to, to tell you a little on uh, how I got there, because that was not obvious in the beginning. Um, so I studied medicine, so I'm a natural scientist uh, by heart, sort of. Um, and was lucky to be in this uh, uh, first generation of uh, public uh, computer nerds, you know. <laughs> um, and so um, at some point I decided uh, to actually study natural science because it's much harder to learn on your own and uh, go along with uh, learning how to program and to apply this uh, to my domain. Um, and I've done this uh, quite uh, some years uh, here in uh, Vienna in the General Hospital, uh, where I did a lot of uh, very early um, data mining of uh, patient data and things like that. Um, and in the year 2000, um, I decided that it's time uh, to do things differently. Uh, and I started my first company that was uh, all about uh, developing software um, at the time. And I was a, a, a big uh, uh, apologist for um, uh, open source software, which was uh, very scary uh, to the professionals at the time. Uh, and so I started to uh, swim uh, against uh, the waters uh, and try to convince people in using it. And that was uh, quite successful uh, at the time. Um, and uh, that was basically um, the starting on how I got into this uh, IT world, let's say. Um, and uh, with my first company, I uh, one day had a customer, uh, namely the European Patent Office, and that got me uh, into um, patent analytics, mm -hmm. which was the topic of my uh, second company uh, that I actually uh, started with my current co-founder, Daniel. Uh, so we are um, an old uh, startup couple, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That sounds sweet, a startup couple. <laughs> yeah, so he's the, he's the CFO uh, kind of guy, and I'm the 
uh, CEO kind of guy, if you want. Yeah. So that's the, the roles that we split amongst us. And uh, yeah, now we have uh, uh, four half, half brains, uh, basically, uh, <laughs> thinking about our business. Um, yeah. And uh, in the context of that patent analytics uh, that uh, people call the Olympic discipline of uh, text analytics at the time, because it's uh, some of the most complex uh, text documents that you have to uh, analyze there. Um, that actually brought me into this whole domain of uh, wouldn't it be great if uh, computers could actually understand language and not just simulate uh, that they do. Um, and uh, um, I uh, started sort of uh, research on my own uh, for several years. Um, and then had this uh, one moment where uh, I uh, first heard of uh, uh, Jeff Hawkins, which is uh, he's a he's a, 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 a founder of Palm Computing. You might know him mm -hmm. uh, as that. So he's uh, a very seasoned uh, uh, bis technology business uh, person. Um, but uh, he then sort of uh, changed also his career and became neuroscientist. Um, and he did something which was extremely appealing to me uh, to find out uh, the computational principles um, of the human brain. Um, and that basically fascinated me and uh, inspired me uh, in uh, rethinking uh, what a machine would need to look like that actually um, understands language. Um, and that uh, eventually led me to uh, an idea uh, on how this could be done. Um, and uh, I was, that's one of the advantages, by the way, of uh, being in Austria. There is a very uh, strong uh, public research uh, funding uh, infrastructure. Um, and so uh, I got actually help even uh, from, from that side to try and build a first prototype um, of the principle. So the principle is called semantic folding. That's uh, sort of a theoretical uh, framework. Um, and it turned out uh, halfway into the project uh, that this not only worked, but it worked even much better than I had thought uh, myself. And yeah, then we uh, started Cotical.io at the time um, and started uh, building out uh, the technology, uh, getting into the market, uh, finding uh, early adopters uh, who would uh, want to try this out. Um, and it turned out that it was not uh, other startups, as we had thought, uh, who would be uh, interested in the first place. Uh, but it was the big guys. It was the big companies who mm -hmm. had uh, problems that they needed to solve. Some of them ha had tried already. That was uh, then uh, later in the uh, years 2014, 15, and 16. Uh, and we started uh, basically uh, trying to solve problems that most of the other um, offers of the, of course, much larger um, 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 industry players basically failed to solve. Uh, and we solved them within, uh, yeah, two weeks or so sometimes. Um, and that was basically the way how the whole concept uh, propagated. Uh, we made a lot of um, practical um, experiences uh, in the market. Uh, and uh, so the whole thing matured uh, until today where we now have a, a regular product uh, suite that we offer 
uh, so let me let me take this back for our listeners because you, you you just gave us so much information and um cortical.io is the website so i have the benefit yeah. as i'm talking to you francisco to follow everything you're saying because i've got the benefit of your website right here mm. next to it and i think when you talk about co the computational principle of the human brain it's a lot for, for people to understand. And I know with mm -hmm. different guests I've had on the show, we talk about the difference between, you know, um, automation, like, like not true machine learning, but automation, mm -hmm. like, like chat bots and things that you feed information and then they can respond. And then we mm -hmm. go to this, the next category of, of AI and we talk about, like you said, the, how do we begin to comprehend the cerebral processing related to machine learning and, and natural language understanding. Mm -hmm. Can you define natu natural language understanding in simple terms for maybe our listeners that aren't familiar with that? Um, yeah, imagine uh, a system uh, that uh, is able to do natural language processing um, and it's, uh, uh, let's say, reading all the incoming emails from customers to an email address like uh, support at um, company.com. Uh, and uh, natural language understanding basically helps you to find out uh, what is that person who wrote the email, what do they actually want? Yeah. So are they complaining about something? Are they looking for some information uh, on, a, on a product? Uh, have they a problem with their login? So this is the kind of uh, situation like you, for example, have it uh, with the chatbot. Um, and allowing you to understand uh, what, uh, let's say, the email or the, the chat uh, query or, or sentence uh, is about, um, allows you to give a very precise answer that can be sort of generated uh, based on what the input was. Um, and uh, currently, we are doing this uh, in a much more uh, statistical fashion okay. by just sort of by brute force giving all the possible answers that we could possibly think of, and then try to find a smart uh, way of counting the words and so on uh, to basically guess which one of the 120 uh, uh, answers is, is the correct one, uh, which is, uh, which as we can see works to some degree, of course, uh, but it's not really a computation. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more like a, um, um, uh, an automaton, basically, mm -hmm. uh, with a certain uh, smartness uh, built uh, in it. Um, and the situation is, if you, um, um, for example, uh, the, 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 the question you have is not understood uh, by the system, uh, the system does not, so, uh, I don't know, let me say you ask for uh, the word truck, uh, and the system, uh, if, if it's an, a system that understands, could give you back a word like car. Yeah? But if it doesn't actually understand what you're talking about and just takes the word truck and sees uh, what it can uh, compute about it, it comes up uh, with the word tree, yeah? because that happens to be statistically closest to it. And uh, um, that, that's basically the difference from understanding, from simulating to understand. Oh, it's fabulous. And, and so, like you said, I, I'm appreciative how you talked about, you know, you, you started your company planning one target audience and actually mm -hmm. found that the audience that was going to buy from you was the big companies, because as you yeah. said, they had problems that needed to be solved. 
Um, how did these companies find you? Did you have a marketing team? Did you go knocking on doors? How did you get those initial companies for uh, when you this, started this? This was a very uh, small scale um, um, marketing endeavor. I mean, we were a, a, a super tiny uh, team by then. Uh, the marketing consisted basically in me traveling around, uh, g uh, being uh, participating at the meetups uh, about big data, mm -hmm. um, and simply presenting uh, the theory behind the technology. So I, I, I was not even um, um, presenting the products or so. I was explaining uh, things like um, um, our focus is not so much in the algorithm, uh, but we think that the key to real understanding is the representation of data, because uh, that's uh, very obviously what uh, the brain is doing. The brain is uh, um, producing output in terms of language, uh, while it uses something like 15 watts. Um, and you have uh, uh, cloud computing infrastructures with, uh, you know, GPU cards and whatever, and they use thousands and thousands of watts. Uh, but uh, don't even come close to what I would say a four-year-old uh, would be able to do. And so I tried to explain this. And uh, interestingly, the topic of bringing together brain science in a sort of a digestible way uh, with computer science and literally following the um, um, theoretical path uh, that uh, is behind all this, um, uh, triggered a lot of interest just by being interesting. Um, and uh, many of, uh, there were uh, uh, very often people from large companies, you know, the meetups, they go after the office, they go there to mm -hmm. listen about something specific. So uh, for me, it was very positive because everybody there was actually motivated in being there. It was not uh, like a conference where often you have people being there for not just being not in the not in the office basically, um, but here you you are, you are in front of a crowd uh, who are really sort of interested in in whatever uh, comes up, um, and so yeah, these were meetups that very often lasted until late at night uh, just because there was so much uh, question answer uh, question answer situation and digging into topics and things like that, um, and yeah, so there was some sort of noise uh, that, that started um, and basically got us one step after the other um, uh, sort of to become a, a real company at some point. So you said you started as a really small team, and I know um, my technology company, companies, it's very interesting how they get to scale because, you know, in, in the technology world, you can use so many different contractors and whatnot. But, um, Tell us a little bit about the human beings that you brought into your company to get the job done. Um, yeah, so um, interestingly, when, uh, when we started, uh, we just uh, sort of triggered um, very traditional local um, channels uh, to see and uh, find people um, through the university and a number of uh, forums, uh, local forums and so on. Uh, but interestingly, when we were 10 people or, or 11 or so, uh, when we started, uh, I think we had like eight nationalities. Um, and that was not on purpose, it just happened. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's something uh, um, that repeats over my companies that uh, we have while we are here in, um, in Vienna, 
uh, we are all, we always have English as a working language, yeah, mm -hmm. because we just have people from all over uh, Europe um, um, who are who are joining us, um, and somehow there was a, a certain fluctuation in the beginning um, because what we were doing was much more sort of uh, uh, experimental. I mean, this was a field where no uh, standards uh, were present. Uh, so whenever we tried to solve, for example, a use case, uh, we had to actually invent a way of applying uh, uh, the approach to that specific use case. Um, and that, I think, needs a um, specific type of people who, are, who, who find it uh, uh, interesting to do so. Yeah, there are others who precisely dislike this uh, sort of um, experimental context uh, to serious work, if you want. Yeah. <laughs> Just to serious work. Oh, I, I laugh. On your website, I know that, um, you know, some of the solutions you offer in terms of, like you said, pulling big data is uh, contract intelligence and other types of things. But I also know, Francisco, you're a very um, strategic guy and you are constantly looking at how markets develop. Um, where do you see this kind of evolving? Because right now, um, I don't know how expensive the product is or, or what it takes to do, but where do you see it evolving next? Yeah, I mean, we we sort of started a bit earlier than the official AI wave. So I consider myself uh, always a little bit on a, on a parallel uh, path here. Um, but uh, we we have seen in the last time in in the last couple of years uh, a, a real boom of machine learning and all these um, uh, new approaches, and they have been uh, quite successful in step by step uh, sort of improving on on certain topics. Um, but uh, interestingly, the strategy that we find there because. Um, the solution of machine learning currently is to throw as much data as you can with as much uh, computer power as you possibly can afford uh, to solve or resolve a certain uh, question you have. So uh, the strategy that is behind the improvement of that approach of that I would call statistical approach um, is brute force. And uh, you know, in exponential growth, uh, the starting of um, the brute force strategy always works well because things are still tiny. Yeah. So mm -hmm. if something is very light, it's very easy to say, okay, I, I can do this with my muscles. Yeah. Um, but uh, as uh, exponential growth tends to grow uh, very rapidly, rapidly, um, uh, you need to uh, start and find uh, another strategy, which is more towards efficiency. And that's what I uh, see today, that um, the development, that there are enormous expectations um, into the AI market. Uh, and my, maybe I should be more specific uh, and, and talk about the natural language understanding market, but it's sort of characteristic for what you also see in, in other domains. And uh, people sort of, uh, whenever it comes to get to, to, to become better, they just throw more effort into it. Uh, and then, of course, it will be better if you throw more effort uh, in it, but it will not be proportional. And uh, so we are, uh, for example, today in a situation uh, where there was recently built uh, sort of the largest uh, language model um, on the planet, 
the GPT-3 uh, model. Uh, you probably have heard um, uh, of that in the context of the OpenAI um, uh, sort of experiments uh, that they are doing. Um, and that is a model uh, that just to compute it once uh, costs something like five or six million dollars, yeah, just to, to compute it through once. Uh, so we have reached um, a, a situation where the strategy that we were following uh, basically finds a ceiling because uh, you cannot mm -hmm. um, use that kind of technology that needs so much uh, sort of uh, resources. And that was just a sort of a general purpose, um, a general purpose language model. Uh, what we actually need is, a, is our language models for specific domains that need to be trained and adapted specifically for that domain. So just imagine with an engine that costs you, I don't know, uh, uh, $10,000 a minute, uh, you will just miss a certain number of use cases because there will be no sort of uh, business benefit uh, into it. Um, so our approach is to rather uh, than trying to improve precision through power, we try to improve um, precision by being more efficient. Uh, the trick with being more efficient is uh, if it only takes five minutes uh, to compute your model, you can afford to refine it 100 times. You can mm -hmm. compute it, change it a little and recompute it. A hundred times because it's it's affordable. Uh, if it takes three weeks uh, to compute once uh, through the model, uh, then you will not have the possibility to refine it hundred times. So it turns out in practical terms, and if you talk business, then it has to be in practical terms. Um, the algorithms that exist, they have all the potential to come very close to perfection in theory, but many of them you just never reach it because it would take, I don't know, 300,000 years to actually, um, if you'd use all the computers on the planet, um, to actually uh, 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 build the model that you need for that. So, um, and, and the interesting thing yeah, is yeah. that uh, in evolution, so in the biological world, it's also efficiency that's the driver. The most efficient organism uh, manages to survive typically. Yeah, uh, at least you will never survive if you're not efficient. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. No, I think as you talk, I'm, I, I, I think, you know, the reality of technology is if you ever have gone and toured NASA um, in the US and they show you the big room with all of these computers and what they did to put the first man on the moon. And then they hold up the cell phone and go, you now have way more power in your cell phone than we ever used to put the man on the moon. Mm -hmm. And so as you're you're talking it it makes sense to me and, and it's interesting that you say the the most efficient like creatures in nature are the one that survive too so um yeah. very interesting I, I have a question for you about the uh semantic processing um because like you said they can isolate in the natural language learning like the the words and you know but are we at a point where the natural language processing can interpret emotions and the scale of emotions as well? Or is that one of the kind of next things up? Um, I think we can uh, do it partially because emotions are partially verbalized. They are not completely verbalized because you generally use your eyes, your face, uh, sometimes your arms, <laughs> if, you're, uh, if you are in <laughs> yeah, strong emotions. I talk emotions. a lot with my hands, I do. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so um, 
so to the degree as language um, is uh, sort of part of it, uh, for example, uh, if you want to analyze an email where the writer intentionally um, has put some emotion in the sense to allow you to figure out uh, uh, if they are happy or not, mm -hmm. um, it's definitely possible um, uh, to figure it out. Uh, the point is, it's not just, um, uh, and, and that's again uh, the, 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 the core problem, uh, currently, when you talk about sentiment analysis, uh, you get something like happy, unhappy, or yes or no, or positive, negative, uh, uh, and so on. But that's actually not how sentiments work. Yeah, I mean, I at least never felt positive. Yeah, I felt uh, uh, many things. Uh, typically, when you are happy, when you're positive on the quotes, uh, that's a mix of a whole lot of uh, different emotions. There are a lot of nuances and very often those nuances are in the end what makes you decide in a certain way. Um, so uh, to me, it's just again uh, the statistical surface that we scratch um, with, with current sentiment analysis uh, 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 toolings, uh, which work in some prototypic uh, context or use case, but it's far from being uh, sort of a, a general purpose tool that you can uh, use uh, to make business uh, straightforward. Yeah, so um, that's the same as with people. Yeah, there are people who are better or not so good mm -hmm. in uh, uh, sort of uh, finding out about the emotion of their vis-a-vis. Uh, um, um, uh, -vis. So um, yeah, so again, this is what I'm what I'm missing in this whole approach uh, is to stay closer to how things are. Yeah, to say, okay, things are usually a mix. Yeah, when I say even trivial things, when I say the word cat, there are 25 cats from my first pet as a kid to uh, the cat uh, that I knew during my ski vacations uh, uh, last year, and so on. So all of these silhouettes, if you want, of cats uh, together built up my concept of cat. And so whenever I use the word, uh, if someone wanted really to understand me, they should have a way of um, um, sort of figuring that out. The interesting thing is between humans, that's much easier because all the humans have like a big catalog of cat experiences. So when I say cat, I do this with my cat experiences in the in the back of my head uh, and it resonates with you and you get through my word the all this collage of cats uh, in your head mm -hmm. and although we have different pictures and sounds of cats in our experience we still agree on the fact that the cat is the same thing and the problem for a piece of software is that it's not able to play that role of a human to sort of mirror uh, the context that might be in the head um, of the human uh, speaker. Yeah. No, I that find it very interesting. Model, in yeah, I find it very interesting the way you've explained that, that, that we all have silhouettes of the past that build our, our concept that flows through to language. I want to mm -hmm. jump because we are coming up on our time and having been um, an individual who has founded multiple companies, um, what would you say is a piece of advice for a young company founder um, that, that you feel was valuable for you that you would share with them? 
Oh, uh, well, that's uh, a big, a big question. It's a big question. question. <laughs> I mean, if you if you really want to give a a, a useful answer, it's a, it's a it's a very difficult uh, question. I mean, um, I think it's uh, being sincere. I think is is the most important. Yeah, uh, don't try to bullshit yourself. Basically, <laughs> when you go ahead. If I, now if wait, I I'm American. So. We do that all the time. You're, 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 um, you're, you're Portuguese, and then you live in Vienna, yeah. right? So yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, uh, because I I think that um, um, it it makes things simpler yeah don't be afraid uh, to tell your people in the company or uh, even uh, business partners uh, try to say things how they are yeah, yeah. Uh, that is uh, if you want uh, or, or let's say whenever i did not follow this my own rule um, there was a lot of energy involved in maintaining things working out. Yeah. So, and whenever uh, uh, I'm in a situation where I can, uh, or or where I do express what I actually mean, um, then things stay simpler. Yeah. And it's easier to connect uh, with the world. See, I love that example. It's a great. It's a. It's a great example. Um, and I also love the follow-up of that if. If you don't follow that advice, then you have to maintain the consequences to yeah, not lose yeah. space. And it's again, yeah, it's again the efficiency. It makes it makes yourself less efficient because you have to put extra effort and extra energy to uh, work against uh, uh, the odds, sort of. Yeah. yeah, I I I love that concept, and so we are going to um, we are going to. Sorry, I have a, a a phone ringing in the background, and we don't want that. Um, we are going to close up, um, and I want to thank you so much for your time. I want to ask you, um, for your business, for Cortical, um, what does the next, uh, two, three, five years hold for you? What's the, you know, what's your vision and dream, um, for the organization? Yeah. So, uh, the big goal is, uh, to have, to allow, uh, let's say normal individuals, normal in the sense that they are not artificial intelligence engineers or, or so, uh, to actually use our system as a, an AI companion for uh, a task where they just want to uh, uh, empower their own uh, capabilities. I can only read, uh, I don't know, uh, 10 documents uh, a day and sort of uh, keep them in my head. Uh, if I have a system that can expand this to thousand documents that I have at my fingertips and uh, pull out whenever I need them, uh, or uh, um, make decision on numbers of emails that I get uh, and things like that. And I think it's important for these components to become regular business components and not these exotic uh, miracle machines uh, that they happen uh, to be right now. Um, like you use your word processor, yeah? I mean, uh, nobody thinks of this being actually a technical device. This has become just a, a business device that you mm -hmm. use. Um, and that's where we uh, need uh, to get to, I think. Uh, they, should, they should be, that technology should be as easy to get, as inexpensive as uh, your uh, office uh, set of programs that you use for your business. Yeah? That, that's where... Um, I would like to get with 
with well, our technology. Thank you so much for, again, I think we all need to stay in touch with, as you said, where the future is going, what's going to come into all of our businesses, whether it's at our doorstep today or it's going to be at our doorstep in a couple of years. And so I really appreciate you taking this time to talk about natural language understanding and talking about how current companies are using it. If people want to reach you and find out more, tell us how they can get in touch with you. Um, yeah, either uh, send me an email at f.weber at cortical.io uh, or for general inqui inquiries at info at cortical.io and uh, there will definitely uh, be someone uh, giving you the right answer, hopefully. Well, thank you, Francisco. And thank you to our audience for taking a listen. Um, this was an episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. If you know of an interesting company founder or disruptive and innovative CEO or business leader that we should be speaking to, you can write to me at connect at allisonksummers.com. Until then, keep your eye on the future. Thank you again, Francisco. Thank you. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>